Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you, and there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. If you don't have a traditional Bible, but you'd like one, just raise your hand, and one of my friends will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. You can also open up the version or the Bible app on your smart device, and all the notes and scriptures have already been uploaded, and we'll also put them on the screen right behind me just to make it as easy as possible for you. If you're watching us online at one of our other sites or at one of our services at the Brown County Correctional Facility, I love you, and I'm so glad that you guys are a part of our family, and I'm so glad that you guys are a part of our family, that I get to look in your beautiful blue or green or hazel or brown or whatever invented eye color it is that you have put in your eyes. I had a server the other day who had uh, a, a color of eyes that I had never, I, ha- I had never, I had never seen them before. And it, w- it was like, I almost didn't even know what to order because I was, I was so taken aback. And finally, Sunny was just like, just ask her if they're her real eyes or not. And I just find it, I said, oh, those are your real eyes. She goes, oh no, they're contacts. I had them made special for me. And so I just, anyway, I love you guys. And I'm so glad that I get to look in your eyes. If you're just joining us, we've just spent the past two months in a series that's looking at the book of Ephesians and it's focusing on identity. We've been exploring this idea that our culture is in an identity crisis and that we'll never know who we are until we know whose we are. And there are really only two teams in the game of life. There's team Jesus and there's team Satan. And so we started out this series with a question. Are you in Adam or are you in Christ? And your affiliation will always determine your identity. And so we've spent the past two months talking about a number of different identifiers. We've said in Adam, we're lost, but in Christ, we're found. In Adam, we're sinners, but in Christ, we're saints. In Adam, we're cursed, but in Christ, we're blessed. In Adam, we're condemned, but in Christ, we're saved. And so I wanna continue this conversation today with a tough one. In Christ, I am afflicted. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for who you are, what you do, everything that you represent in our lives. God, thank you that before we knew you, you knew us. Before we loved you, you loved us. Before we ever thought of serving you, you were already serving us. And so today, thank you for all of the blessings in our lives, God. I thank you that for all of the difficult times in our lives, you always counteract them with seasons of blessings. And so today for my friends who are here, who are on the other side of a screen, God, I pray that you'd open up the windows of our souls, open up the eyes of our hearts, that we would see who you are, see who we are, and that we would adjust ourselves accordingly in Jesus' name. Amen. I am afflicted. This, uh, it's not one a lot of believers want to talk about, and it's definitely not one that a lot of pastors want to talk about, because somewhere, somehow, it's been determined that 
Affliction or suffering are a sign of being in sin or out of God's will. Uh, but that's not always necessarily the case. Sometimes suffering is right in the center of God's plan and path for our lives. In three of the four gospels, we, we see a story where Jesus has just performed this incredible miracle of feeding 5,000. And, and when the leftovers had been collected, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. And during that journey across the lake, the disciples, they encountered this terrible storm. And you, you probably know the story, but I mean, these are like seasoned mariners. These are people who have lived their lives on the waters. And yet somehow this storm was so torrential that they thought that they were going to die. But in the midst of that storm, Jesus appears in the middle of the lake, walking on the water. And he invites Peter to do the same after taking a few steps and then sinking into the sea. Jesus helps Peter back into the boat, but in the midst of the chaos of the storm and the calm of their savior, they recognized who Jesus really was. And the Bible says they worshiped him, exclaiming, you really are the son of God. Their affliction didn't mean that they were outside God's will. They were actually exactly where God wanted them to be. And in the midst of their suffering, they came to truly see their savior. And sometimes it is in the midst of your suffering that you'll see who your savior truly is. And Paul, the author of the book of Ephesians, he understood this all too well. And so he wrote these words. He said, Jesus made me his prisoner, literally. He's writing this book from prison. And he's done that so that I could help you Gentiles. I'm sure you've heard about God's gift of undeserved grace and choosing me to help you. In fact, this letter tells you a little bit about how God has shown me his mysterious ways. And as you read this letter, he says, you're going to find out how well I really do understand the mysteries about Christ. No, no one knew about this mystery until God's spirit told it to the holy apostles and to the prophets. And the mystery is this. Because of Jesus, the good news has given the Gentiles a share of the promise that God gave to the Jews. God has also let the Gentiles be part of the same body. God treated me with kindness. His power worked in me and it became my job to spread the good news. I'm the least important of all God's people. But God was kind. He chose me to tell the Gentiles because of Jesus, there are blessings, come on, that cannot be measured. God who created everything wanted me to help everyone understand that the mysterious plan that had always been hidden in his mind was available to you. Then God would use the church to show the powers and authorities in the spiritual world that he has many different kinds of wisdom. God did this according to his eternal plan and he was able to do what he'd planned because of all that Jesus, our Lord, had done. He's talking about suffering there. Jesus now gives us courage and confidence so we can come to God by faith. This is why you shouldn't be discouraged when I suffer for you. After all, it'll bring honor to you. And so here's what Paul's doing here. Is he, he's showing the layers of affliction that have been endured for their good. And he's letting them know that the affliction wasn't gonna end with them. He's saying there will be seasons of suffering. Jesus suffered so that Paul could hear and receive the message of salvation. And now Paul was suffering so that they could hear and receive the message of salvation. And he's saying at some point, these people would have to suffer so someone else could hear and receive the message of salvation. And, and although their suffering would draw the ire of some people. Isn't it interesting how sometimes when you're suffering, other people get mad at you? 
And you're like, bro, why are you mad? Because I'm having trouble. But it's interesting how suffering will fester out some things in the people that we have around us. Just because they were suffering didn't mean that they were doing something wrong. And it's the same thing for you. When, When you suffer in service of your savior, Paul says, it'll bring honor to you and ultimately the people who you're suffering for. Have you ever suffered for someone else? But see, just as it was important for the disciples in the storm and and Paul, while he was writing this letter from prison and these Ephesian church members to understand that their struggles didn't mean that they were outside God's will, it's important for you to understand that same thing and for you to recognize your need to prepare for your sufferings before they come. And I say that not only because I have a sense that the days that we live in are evil and that the path of righteousness is costly, I would struggle to say that we are the most suffering generation. I'm sure every generation has thought that. I'm sure that every generation has thought, every generation of believer, let's say, I'm sure has thought that they were the generation that was going to see Christ. If you believe in a holy rapture, which I do, where where Jesus will, the Bible says, split the Eastern sky and come and collect his church back. There's a level of suffering that must happen before that happens. Uh, When I first started seminary, uh, you, you have a, you have a certain eschatological belief system. You believe when Christ will return. So they'll ask you questions like, well, are you pre-trib? Are you mid-trib? Are you post-trib? And I remember when they first started asking those questions, I thought they were saying crib. <laughs> you pre-crib? I said, oh no, man, I watch MTV Cribs, bro. The show is dope. They said, no, pre-trib, pre-trib. I said, pre-tribe? I don't, I don't understand, I don't understand your, little, your, little, your little vernacular, your little, your little, they said pre-tribulation. When I first came to faith, I, I was pretty staunch in the fact that we were, that we were pre-trib people. We, we were people who, who Jesus was gonna come back before the tribulation. And if you don't know what the tribulation is, it's when the hits the fan. That's when you read the book, that's all the not, everything's, People's getting their, if you watch Christian movies, man, people's getting their heads chopped off in the middle of the street. Like it's like chaos. And I, when I first came to faith, I thought there ain't no way God would let us go through that because you know, I was coming in and I needed like a daddy God. You know what I'm saying? I needed a Santa God. God who would have me come up on his lap talking about what you want for Christmas. That's the God I needed then. But as I've matured in my faith and as I've gone through some suffering, perhaps my eschatological view has adjusted. Maybe, maybe we aren't pre-trib people. Maybe we're mid-trib people, which means like halfway through the tribulation, then he's gonna come back. I don't know. You know when we'll know? When it happens. There's just some stuff that you only know until it happens. You have all the thoughts and all the theories and all of this stuff. Uh, But man, if... Man, it feels like life sucks right now, doesn't it? Like if we just, if we just keep it real. 
I don't know, maybe I'm the only person that it feels like life is just difficult now. I, just, I don't know if you've heard about some stuff that's going on. I don't even watch the news anymore. I can't handle it anymore. I just can't handle it. This, it's just too much. It's like, it's like information overload for me. It's like I walk in and I go, like, what's on fire now? Like, it's, it's insane. And, and I just go, man, like, if, if, if the eschatological view is that God is going to come back before there's any kind of tribulation, I don't want to even see what the first part of that tribulation looks like because, because the days are evil and the path of righteousness is costly. But that's not the only reason why I think that we need to prepare ourselves for suffering. It's because the Bible promises that God's people will suffer. This isn't a message that people want to hear. People want to come to church and they want to hear, you know, God's good, God's great, the blessings for this food. Like it's like we, and it's great. There are messages that have to be like that, that there are also messages that have to be like a clarion call, like an alarm that wakes you up in the morning. Like I hate the alarm. Like, the, man, I have to put my alarm across the room because I want to smash my alarm when it goes off in the morning because it jolts you and it shocks you. But there are times in our lives when we are in a season of suffering. And the book of Acts says that Paul told all his young churches, it's through many tribulations that we have that we must enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're gonna persecute you. Peter said, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you that comes upon you for your testing as if something strange is happening to you. In other words, suffering's not strange. It is to be expected. And so, and so Paul tells his spiritual son, Timothy, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus will be persecuted. So I take it as a biblical truth that the more serious we get about being the salt of the earth and the light of the world, the more committed we become to reaching lost people, exposing the works of darkness and breaking the bonds of sin and Satan, the more we, Jesus people, are going to have to suffer. And it stinks, but we cannot die to ourselves without suffering. But that suffering has as its goal, the sanctification and purification of our soul and our spirit. Therefore, suffering has to be a part of God's will toward us. God has to unrelentingly identify the most potentially damaging hindrances in our relationship with him and lovingly strip those things away for us or we will self-destruct. And so God, he shakes, he breaks, he crushes and he removes anything that stands in the way of him accomplishing his will in and through our lives. And we can either lean into those sufferings and embrace the rewards that come on the other side of them or we can run from them and miss the benefits that come to us on the other side. We can sprint and spin on the hamster wheel of cyclical problems our entire lives, living in the same drama, fighting the same fights, suffering from the same addictions, then passing those things on to our kids as a generational curse. And that's what so many of us do. We hand our addictions off to the people in our lives. We hand our struggles off to the people in our lives. And when we look at suffering, we can either despise it, be defeated by it, give up in it and quit, or we can delight in it, rejoice in it, be strengthened by it, and continue on in it by faith. I choose the latter, and I hope, I hope that you will too. Because like Paul, I want to know Jesus, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings.
Now, uh, as I've leaned into my seasons of suffering, and there, there have been many, uh, I've discovered three things that suffering reveals. Here's the first. Suffering reveals who you are. In his book, simply entitled Suffering, Pastor Paul Tripp, he says, suffering draws out the true thoughts, attitudes, assumptions, and desires of your heart. Uh, it, it's easy to serve God when things are calm. But what do you do? Uh, how do you act and how do you react in the midst of chaos? Uh, many of you know this story, but in 2002, Pastor Sonny and I, we were flung onto the floor of the arena of affliction. While, while pregnant with our daughter Savannah, we were told that she wouldn't survive the pregnancy. And so we did what believers do in that moment. We, we prayed, we fasted, we believed in, we declared the promises of his word. We, we wrote scriptures on papers and we put sticky notes in our house and in our car and we anointed the nursery that she would be in with oil. We, we spoke in faith and favor. We believed for a miracle and she did survive the pregnancy. Uh, but she was born with unbeatable obstacles and and 18 days after she was born, I, I held her in my arms. I watched her struggle, take her last breath, and I watched her die. And in the moment she wasn't born healthy, everything that was deep within me was pulled to the surface. My true thoughts, attitudes, and assumptions bubbled out of my mouth. I looked at Pastor Sonny and I literally cursed God. I said, and I quote, F God. That I didn't say, like I said, the, that's the four letter, not the three letter version of it. I said, he's not even real. Everything I've been preaching is a lie. I've given my whole life for him. If, if he can't perform a miracle for me, this whole thing's a fraud. The fact was God had performed a miracle. A child the doctors said would never survive the pregnancy did. And for 18 miraculous days, I got to be a dad and Pastor Sonny got to be a mama. I got to see that beautiful little girl smile, Pastor Sonny smile and, and frown my frown. <laughs> and that affliction not only resulted in me writing a book on grief that's helped countless others navigate their seas of their own suffering, but it made me a much better dad to Isaiah and Aubrey, my two kids who would be born later and who would survive, who the doctors also said wouldn't survive, who the doctors sat Pastor Sonny and I down and told us that we were being selfish for continuing to try to have kids because we were genetically incompatible, that we needed to give up on trying to have kids and just adopt kids, but miraculously, two beautiful, healthy babies were born. But, but what that season of suffering through Savannah did was reveal who I really was. And it gave me the opportunity to surrender those things to Jesus and suffering will do the same for you. Here, here's the second thing suffering reveals is suffering reveals who others are. Hmm. You ever had somebody do you dirty? Uh, let, let me translate that. You, you ever have somebody uh, do you wrong? Somebody you loved, somebody 
you were uh, connected to, somebody you were in relationship to, somebody who you trusted. Uh, I've discovered that there are two types of people in the world. Those who run into affliction and those who run from affliction. And you're gonna have both in your life. Sadly, uh, experience says that you're gonna have more who will run from you in the midst of your affliction than those who are going to run to you. But the good news is you're not alone. Jesus dealt with the very same thing. Judas betrayed him, Peter denied him, and all but one of the disciples abandoned him in the midst of his cross and crucifixion. 11 ran from his affliction while only one ran to him. About, about 15 years ago, 10 years into my marriage and after a decade of watching me and walking with me as I wrestled with and refused to let go of the wounds from my past that were dragging down not only my future but hers, Pastor Sonny took drastic measures. She took my kids she packed them in a car and she went to live with her parents and said she wasn't coming back until I'd changed. And sitting in a house by myself, abandoned, pastoring a church, trying to figure out how I'm gonna communicate to people that my wife of the decade has separated from me, that she's, that she's gonna file for divorce, that I'm gonna be an absentee dad. It didn't take long for word to get out into the ministry world. It's like the, like the world of pastors and it's like small, like it's big, but it's small. And it's, uh, it, it's like, a, like the telephone game. And uh, the result of that incident in my life is everyone I consider to be my friends ran from me except for two. Alan Griffin, who has a tendency to come here and carry people across the stage or rub their feet, which was super weird if you were here. I was like, bro, why did you just have Pastor Barry take his shoes off? That's interesting. Interestingly, Pastor Barry didn't even know that that was going to happen in first service. He just brought him up here and had him take his shoes and socks off. And so uh, two people did not run away from me, Alan Griffin and Pastor Barry, who just did prayer. In fact, for the next few weeks, I received one call after another from people canceling speaking engagements that they had me scheduled for. It, it was so bad that I just stopped answering my phone. I, I, I figured I'd just let people cancel me on my voicemail. <laughs> but one day I, I, I got a call from an important number, 253-677-7776. It was my pastor. Fulton Buntain. I, 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 answered, I answered the phone and I, gosh, I wish that you knew him. Our, our gym is named after him. We have our courts named after him. He was, he's just a, a cute little man, 5'7", played hockey. He, he had what, what we lovingly said, he had gopher hands. He would <laughs> begin every message with this. I had a thought this week. He's, his messages would be like 18 minutes long and he'd be done. He said, you can talk as long as people will listen. And he didn't think that people would listen to him longer than 18 minutes. He's this little cute, built a church, of, you know, the biggest church on the West Coast of the United States. I pick up the phone, this cute, sweet little voice. He said, hello, friend. I'm just calling to see if you're still an a-hole. But he said the whole word. 
I was as stunned as you. I had never, I had never heard my pastor. He wouldn't say shut up. Like shut up was like in his house. You don't say, his kids didn't say shut up in his house. They didn't, definitely didn't say, you know, crap. The C word, that's, that's too close to, I'm just calling to see if you're still an a-hole. I said, um, I didn't know I was an a-hole. <laughs> he said, well, are you and Sonny back together? I said, no, sir. He said, then you're still an a-hole. Don't ever call me again until you aren't anymore. Don't call me again until you go get your wife back. That was someone running into affliction. And it revealed to me who he really was, someone who loved me enough to swim into the sea of my suffering and leverage his influence for my integrity. And the book of Jude says, show mercy to those who have doubts. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy with fear. Watch this, hating even the clothes stained by their sinful lives. Mm. Suffering will reveal to you who other people are. Here's the third thing, is suffering reveals who God is. Uh, there, there are two predominant views of who God is. Uh, number one, that he's a bully. Uh, like, uh, oh, there's a Jim Carrey movie, I can't remember where it was. He says, uh, God is a kid with a magnifying glass and we're the ant. And he's trying just to burn our antennas off. So that's one view of God is that God is a bully. But number two is that God is a sugar daddy and that he's only here to do good things for us and give good gifts to us. But the truth is he is neither. He is neither a bully nor a sugar daddy. He is our father. And because of that, he teaches us and he trains us. He directs us and he disciplines us. He, he will never leave us nor forsake us. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And sadly, sometimes repentance requires affliction. And he's not the source of our suffering. He's the salve waiting and wanting to be spread on the source we've sustained during the seasons of suffering. He doesn't afflict us, but he will use our afflictions and redeem them for his purposes. He's always running to our afflictions. He's never running away from them. He's, he's always leaning into them. He's just waiting for you to do the same. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. He says, call on me in a day of trouble. I will rescue you and you will honor me, and you huh, will honor me. Did you just pick up how we've just come full circle? Paul was saying there are gonna be seasons of suffering. Jesus suffered so Paul could hear and receive the message of salvation. Now Paul was suffering in jail so they could hear and receive the message of salvation. And at some point they would suffer so that someone else, you and I could hear and receive the message of salvation. And although their suffering would draw the ire of some people and so will yours, it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing something wrong. When you suffer in the service of your Savior, it will bring honor not only to you, 
but it will bring honor ultimately to God. And so if you're suffering today, I'm sorry that you're suffering. I, I wish that I could take more time to tell you about a season of suffering that, that my family and my daughter were forced to go through this week. That uh, some teenage girl in our area took up the liberty of smearing my daughter on social media. I'm not, I'm not even gonna like get into to all the details of it, but it, it, it resulted by the end of the week, man, we were getting death threats. We, like my daughter was getting death threats. People, people were putting on social media. I hope you get raped. I hope your mother gets raped. I hope your father gets murdered. Like these are teenage kids. And I'm like, but you know what it did? It proved to my daughter who is willing to stand with her. And I don't know what you're going through, but some of you are going through it. Some of your marriages are going through it. You're, you're putting on a front right now. Like you look, you look like you got some trash together, but you don't. Like when, when, you, when you hear me talk about my wife put the kids in the car, took off, your wife is like, mm, I wish I had that courage. So, some of your careers, like you act like you've got it all together, but you're like one paycheck away from being in Tent City. You, some of, you got a report from the doctor like two weeks ago and, and it's like, it's ominous. You, all you're doing is praying that for the sake of your kids, you make it through the holiday season. And, and like some of you in this room have spent this past week going, like wringing your hands and going, why God? I, I do the church thing. I, I pray, I, I read the word. I've, I do the 21 day fast at the beginning of every year. I'm gonna go to Mary and Brightest and I'm, I'm gonna worship, I serve, I do all this stuff. And yet it feels like it will never relent. But can I tell you that God will redeem the suffering that you're in right now? I promise it doesn't feel like it right now. But like if I listed all of the seasons of suffering that I've had in the 25 years that I have been serving the Lord, the list would be robust. <laughs> but if I listed for you the redemptive qualities that God had in the midst of those sufferings, the list would be 10 times longer that for every season of suffering that I've had, there has been a season of a miraculous breakthrough in my life. And if you look back on the seasons, you'll feel the same way. You, you, you ever get the flu? You get the flu and you're like, oh my God, I'm gonna die. I had a time uh, when I was an intern. I, I, I got, uh, I went to a, a water park. Now, I don't know if you can tell this. I am fair complected. I am a sunburn waiting to happen. Like, I'm gonna, I have to put on stuff on my head for these lights so that I don't get burned from the, it's this, this is like, I'm like Casper, okay? And uh, I went to a water park, no sunscreen, all day for like 10 hours. Then I went to McDonald's and I got a milkshake, a vanilla milkshake. And, uh, and then I caught the flu. And the milkshake was rancid. But like when I drank it, it tasted weird, but it what did taste weird enough that I didn't want to finish it. You ever feel like that? Like, it doesn't taste normal. 
I mean, I paid $2 for this though, so I'm gonna finish it. And so I got sick. I got like sick, sick. I got sun poisoning, rancid milkshake, flu, triple threat, sick, all at the same time. I, disclaimer, this is gross. Within, 20, within t- less than 20, I, I threw up 27 times. I was laying on the floor of the bathroom, begging God to let me die. <laughs> Two days later, you know what I did? Went to McDonald's, got a milkshake. It's <laughs> like, I was sick no more. I was in the middle of it, I was like, oh God, please let me die. And the 48 hours later, I was like, cool, man, this is awesome. You know what it turned into? A funny story. I used to tell it at teenage services all the time. I used to actually like act it out. And it was, for them, awesome. But in the middle of it, it was the worst. But in the end, it's a great story. And I don't want to minimize your suffering because I've, I've had my own. But what I wonder today is, are you afflicted? Are you suffering? If so, are you going to despise it and be defeated by it? Are you going to delight in it, rejoice in it, be strengthened by it, and continue on in it in faith that ultimately it is for your good and His glory? Whatever season of suffering you're in, He is going to bring you out. Would you close your eyes all across this place? Some of you are here and you are eternally afflicted right now. That's what life is without Jesus. Life without Jesus offers us no hope. It offers us no respite, no relief. And I wonder if you're here today and you say, Sean, I'm not a believer. I'm not in Christ. I am in Adam. I'm not in the Savior. I am in sin. And I I need to make some changes today. The Bible says for you to be in Christ, You have to be in relationship with Him. For you to be in relationship with Him, you have to do two things. You have to confess that you're a sinner and profess that He can change you. And today, we're gonna give you the opportunity to do both of those things. And here's how. In just a moment, with nobody looking around, I'm gonna ask for people to do two things. First, I'm gonna ask in just a moment for people to raise their hand and make eye contact with me. That's gonna be your way of confessing that you're a sinner. Number two, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer after me along with everyone else in this place. And if you pray that prayer with everyone else in this place and you mean it in your heart, the Bible says you will be saved. You will be in Christ. So I wonder if you're here and you say, Sean, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I'd like to before I leave this place. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to ask everyone in here to say these words. Say, Jesus, I've lived my life as a sinner, and I don't want to anymore. I'm tired of it. I need to change. I want to live my life for you. Will you forgive me? We come into my heart. We make me different. We make me new. We be my Lord and be my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, you just made the most important decision that you'll ever make in your life. But I promise you, right now, for people who just prayed that prayer for the first time, suffering is coming. Affliction is coming. 
because now the enemy is worried about you. He didn't think about you before right now, but now he is gonna attack you full bore. And so here's what you've got. You've got a room full of people who wanna link arms with you and to defend you. And so here's how you can help us do that. Take the card that's in the seat back in front of you that says hello across the top, tear off the bottom part, fill in whatever information you're okay with us having, check the box that's highlighted in yellow that says I'm choosing to follow Jesus. You can either put that in the black buckets when they come around here in just a minute, or you can take them out to the Welcome Center. You can also scan the QR code on the seat back in front of you, and it'll give you an option to fill out some information, or you can scan the QR code right up here on the screen. We just want the opportunity to connect with you and to follow up with you. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes one more time before we receive the Lord's tithes and your offering. I wonder if you're here and you'd say, you know what, Sean, I'm saved. I'm a Jesus person, but uh, man, I'm suffering with affliction right now. If that's you with nobody looking around, would you raise your hand so that I can pray for you today? Yep. Wow, golly. God, for so many people who are in the fight right now, I pray peace. I pray protection. God, I pray that you would put a bubble around them, that God, you would lift their spirits, be their glory and the lifter of their heads. Comfort them in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.